we are in the middle, I, I would say, of our, towards the end now, of our, of our stewardship ser, uh, sermon series. And how many have been enjoying that sermon series thus far? How many have been learning and growing? How many have been getting challenged? Come on, let's be honest, we're in the house of God. All right. Well, hopefully we can be challenged some more and uh, we can allow the Spirit of God to move in us and allow God to uh, bring us to that next level. Tonight, I want to be talking about responsibility, right? If God owns it all, and what am I doing with it? I, when, when I was reading the notes of um, the sermon series and what we were going to be talking about, that this is the key to successful living, I, I thought about the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler, the Bible talks about he was uh, very wealthy, he was affluent. The Bible doesn't mention how he gained his wealth. He was young, he might have inherited it. You know, he might have been a successful business owner. He might have won the Jewish lotto at that time, right? The Bible doesn't go into that, but what the Bible does make clear is that in spite of all the wealth that he had, there was something missing. There was something still missing in his life. And I can tell you this right now, that God is a blesser. And God moves and he blesses his people. But unless we learn how to be faithful stewards of what God has given us, there's going to be that something missing. There's going to be that missing piece. And I really believe that God wants to bless his church. But in order to bless his people, we also have to be ready to not only receive, but also be willing to manage the blessing and be able to give it right back. See, each and every one of us, we have a responsibility as a steward, right? And I know that word responsibility makes some people cringe. It's like, ooh, the R word, right? A lot of us, we want the benefits. We want the blessings. We, we want the, um, the gifts that, that, that come in our way. But oftentimes, the responsibility we kind of shy away from. A while back, there was a promotion being offered at my job. And I remember some people saying, well, I want the raise, I want the money, but I don't want the responsibility. Because they understood that with that promotion and with that raise, there was going to be more asked of them. There was going to be more required of them. There was going to be more uh, that they were going to have to be account accountable for. And they said, no, maybe not. You know, responsibility, it's not a bad thing. Responsibility is a good thing. You know, we can't not forget that all our gifts are from God, right? It says in the book of, of James that uh, all the good and perfect gifts are, are come from God, uh, the Lord of lights. But we have a responsibility with what God has given us. We have a responsibility to make sure that we take care of what God has given us. Have you ever heard, maybe you might have heard this as a, as a kid growing up, when the furniture would break, See, that's why we can't have good, nice things, right? My brother and I, we heard that quite often. This is why we can't have nice things, right? What was my mom saying? It's like you broke something, and we can't have nice because you don't know how to take care of what's been given to you. And tonight, church, uh, God has given us very nice things. God has blessed us uh, tremendously and abundantly. The book of Matthew, chapter 25. It's a lengthy portion of scripture, so I'll, I'll try to be quick, but I want to read this whole, the entirety of this story. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. We're talking about the, um, 
the master and his servants and the talents. And it says, and again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another uh, two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold uh, gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he had settled the accounts with them. To the man who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five, and he said, Master, you have entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and see, I have gained two more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. And see, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. If we could pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word that encourages and challenges, God. Tonight, I pray, Lord, that we would be open, Lord, to what your word would would minister, my God. That we would be open, Lord, to become better stewards of your word, better stewards of the resources that you have given us. Father, I ask and pray that right now, Father God, you would just continue to pour your blessings upon your children, your church. You are a good God, a faithful God, a God who is generous with his children. And help us, Father God, that we would be faithful, Lord, faithful, Lord, with that which you have given to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I I read this story, and I think, man, the master was harsh. To do what he did, he was, it seemed harsh to that one individual that only had that one bag. But can I tell you that God is not harsh. God is a faithful God. He's a loving God. He's a generous God. He's a God that is just, and he's a God that, uh, for you and I, he gave us the ultimate sacrifice. He gave us his son, Jesus. He's not harsh, but he's a loving God that uh, loved us so much that he willingly allowed his son to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and I, that through his son, we can have forgiveness of sins, Right? And through his son, we can be uh, not only forgiven, but we can be healed. We can be restored. That's a, a loving God. That's a generous God. And that's the God that you and I, we serve tonight. Each and every one of us, we've all been saved for a purpose. And tonight, we were exercising that through our praise and our worship. You and I were saved and, and for the purpose to worship God, and, and we get to worship God here on, on, on earth, but just think about the worship that we're going to experience one day in his presence, right? 
just to be able to freely worship God without the cares and the worries and the, what went on and, and throughout the day, just that freedom to worship. And another responsibility and another purpose that we have is to honor God with our lives. It's to honor God with our lives, right? Our, our, our whole life, uh, our character should honor God. Our speech should honor God. Uh, uh, you know, the way we manage our resources should honor God. The way we manage our relationships should honor God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Underline this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What's that scripture saying is that we're not our own, right? We belong to, to God. That he paid an ultimate price for you and I. He, precious blood was sacrificed for you and I, and that we can now be called children of God. That we belong not to the world, not to the enemy, but we belong to the most high God. We're his children. You think about that, parents, uh, your children that God has given you, the love that you have for them, the, the desire that you want to do for them, the protection that you would provide for them, right? Nobody messes with my babies. That's how God sees us. The Bible says that we are the apple of his eye, right? We belong to God. Can I tell you that everything belongs to God? God owns it all. God owns it all. We need to ask ourselves concerning what God has given us. Uh, are we owners or are we stewards? Okay. Do we own it or are we just managers of it? Let me give you a few scriptures here. Psalms 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. 1 Corinthians 10.26. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Job 41.11. Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. That's God speaking. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Two more. Leviticus 27.30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And lastly, 2 Chronicles 29.11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Do we kind of get the picture? Do we kind of see what's going on, what God is saying? This is, the world is God's, right? We all belong to God. Everything that is in this world belongs to God. He is the owner, and as an owner, he has a right. See, the owner has a right, but the steward has a responsibility. My neighbor recently moved. He's been in his house longer than we have, and we've known each other for over a decade now. And he moved away, but he decided that he's going to rent out his house. He still owns that house, and as an owner, he can do whatever he wants with that house. He can let it sit empty. He can paint it purple. He can grow palm trees. He could do whatever he wants with that house. It's his, and he has a right to do whatever he wants with that house. But the renters, they have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to pay their rent, 
And they have a responsibility to not destroy the house, to maintain the house, to make sure that if that house needs something, they, they, they let him know, hey, the plumbing went out. Can you send the plumber? Or, hey, the, electri the electricity went out. Can you send an electrician? They have a responsibility to bring those needs of that house to the owner. He has the right, though, to set the rules, but they have a responsibility to maintain what has been entrusted to them. A lot of times when my wife, well, years ago when my wife and I, we were trying to purchase a home, and uh, we were renting out other people's homes, and I remember God just speaking to me and says, treat this as if you owned it. Treat this as if this was your house. So I did. I began making upgrades left and right. And the landlord would come and say, what did you do here? Well, I, I redid your hardwood floors. I didn't ask you to. I know. I'm not paying you for that. I get it. What was I doing as I was taking care of it like as if it was my own? Church, each and every one of us has a responsibility to use and maintain what God has given us. I think about our church and all the struggles that were imposed on it last year through the closings down, through the people knocking on our doors saying, why are you having service? And, and just that fight to keep these doors shut. But God gave us a pastor, and he gave us a staff, and he gave us a church that said, we're going to keep these doors open. We're going to allow the people of God to come in and freely worship. What a blessing that those doors remained open so that you and I can come in and have fellowship with one another that we need, that we can encourage one another. I tell you what, the worship sounds good online, but it doesn't beat being in the house of God when the worship is going on. I read this commentary, and it says that God has given each person a wide variety of gifts, and he expects us to employ those gifts in his service. It is not acceptable merely to put those gifts on a closet shelf and ignore them. Like the three servants, we do not have gifts of the same degree. The return God expects of us is to correspond with the gifts that we have all been given. The servant who received one talent, he was not condemned for failing to reach the five-talent goal. He was condemned because he did nothing with what he was given. This individual did nothing with the awesome responsibility that he was given, with the talent that he was given, with the resource that he was given. He did nothing. He buried it. A few weeks ago, Pastor Dan quoted uh, a movie about a young boy growing up in the Bronx, and I love that movie. So I'm going to quote that movie as well. And this part of the movie is where the father, he's telling his son fatherly advice, right? How I many you know fathers, we should be giving our sons and daughters fatherly advice, right? And he looks at his son and he tells him, remember, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't do the right thing, then nothing happens. Nothing happens. I tell you what, we have very talented and gifted individuals here in this church. And you might be saying, who's he talking about? Well, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about each and every one of you. God has given us each certain gifts and different gifts. When I came to church, I was like, I don't have any gifts. 
What do I, what do I have to contribute? And God says, just as fanatical as you were for the world, you be fanatical for me. Right? That was just me using what God had already given me for God. There's some individuals here, you're a gifted leader. You can see the big picture and you can delegate and you know what it's going to take and people's strengths and their weaknesses and where they can excel. And you can say, look, we can get this done. Our church needs leaders. You know, some of you here, you might have just a, an awesome biblical knowledge, right? You read the word of God and it just comes alive. God speaks to you through his word. You receive revelation. And can I tell you that we have Bible studies that need Bible study teachers, right? We have, uh, uh, we work with so many different uh, at-risk youth, and we work with the youth, and we need what God has given to you. Those revelations, they're not just for you, they're for others, right? I think about the musicians. What a gift. What a talent. The other night uh, during the Valentine's um, dinner to see Brother Roy in the jazz band. Whew. We were there listening to them, just absorbing it. And my wife says, what a gift to be able to play music. I said, you're right, man. I love music. I love music, but I can't play a note or sing a tune or keep beat to save my life, man. But I know that there might be people in this place, man. That God has given you a talent. Maybe you could play the guitar or the keyboard, and maybe you can sing. And God is saying, hey, we can use you on the platform, man. We can use you to lead us into worship. Uh, see Pastor Richard, see Pastor Dan, see Brother Joe. And I know that God has blessed many of us and understand what I'm saying with the gift of wealth. And I'm not saying wealth like there's a dollar amount, but wealth in that we are rich in God, and wealth in that God always meets the need, and wealth in that God always provides. Some of you have a knack for business. Uh, you know how to run a business successfully. Uh, you know how to make right investments, and God blesses you with finances and blesses you with wealth. And can I tell you that the reason God blesses you so much is so that you can continue to be a blessing to his kingdom, a blessing to the work of God, a blessing to those overseas missions. Uh, God blesses you so that you can continue to be a blessing to others. Daniel Webster, the one that wrote the dictionary, right? He said, the most important thought I ever had was that of my individual responsibility to God. Here's a man that I'm sure had many thoughts because he wrote the dictionary. And yet his most important thought, he said, was his individual responsibility to God. He didn't say my church's responsibility he didn't say my, past, my pastor's responsibility. He didn't say my parents' responsibility. He said my individual responsibility to God. What was he doing? He was taking ownership of what he owed God, of what, uh, of what he needed to do for God. God gives us God-given resources to accomplish God-given goals. And the issue with this servant is that he failed to realize the importance of what was given to him. He might have just looked at that one bag and just said, well, you know, he got two and, and this guy got five and all I got was one. I really didn't get a lot and didn't see the value in what was given to him. He, he, he failed to, to see that. And 
different scholars and think when it comes to a talent, what was actually the dollar amount. Some say it was a thousand. Some say it was thirty thousand. There's different dollars amounts. Uh, whatever he had, he failed to realize it. And what did he do? He hid it. He put it away. He ran from the responsibility of what was given to him. He allowed fear to keep him from stepping out and doing something with what was given to him. And church, you can't allow fear to keep you from stepping out and taking a chance and being obedient to the voice of God. And you might be thinking, but what if I fail? I tell you what, there is no failure in God, man. There is no failure in God. Years ago, God put it on my heart to start a business. So I started a business, right? And then a few years after that, the business shut down. And I said, wow, why did I start a business for it to just shut down, right? But it, it was God closing one door and opening another. But I think about that now. At the time, I was a little discouraged. I was a lot discouraged, right? You know? But I think, what, ha- what happens if I would have never taken that step of faith? And just said, God, I'm going to trust you with this business. God, I'm going to trust you with this goal, with this desire, with this dream that you have given me. You know what would have happened? I would have been stuck in what if. What if? What if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? And at least I can say I got to experience God moving in our family and God moving in our business. Because I tell you what, not once were we late on the rent. Not once were we late on making our payments. Not once were we late on any of those issues. God met every single need. He always supplied and he always came through. We can't limit ourselves. We can't limit God. We can't undervalue or underrate the value and the gifts and the talents that God has given us. You know who did that? The disciples. When Jesus was ready to feed the 5,000, right? And he looks at his disciples and he says, I'm gonna, let's feed them. And they're looking at him with, with what? With what are we going to feed 5,000 plus? We don't have anything. We don't have enough. And Jesus says, I want to do something for these people. I want to bless. I want to work a miracle What do we got? We got a young kid that has five loaves of bread and two fish. How is that going to feed 5,000? And Jesus says, give it to me. Let me have it. And this young boy, what did he do? The very little that he had, he released it to Christ. And with what he received, what Jesus received from that little boy, he was able to feed 5,000 plus men, women, and children. Why are we limiting God? Why do we limit God with what we have or don't have? When Jesus is saying, I want to do a miracle. Just give me what you got. I'm not asking for the world. I'm asking, give me what you got. You got a talent? Give it to me. Watch me multiply it. You got a resource? Give it to me. Watch me multiply it. Five loaves, two fish, feeds 5,000 plus people, 12 baskets full leftovers. That's how you... God's math isn't like our math. God, he wanted to show them the impossible. See, God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for this body. I I sense it. I've been sensing it. And even with everything that has gone on, I know God wants to do something powerful and miraculous But I tell you what, it's going to take people rising up. It's going to take talent. It's going to take gifts. It's going to take finances. It's going to take resources. And we have two options. We can either sit and say, 
I don't know how God's going to do it. Or we can start collecting our loaves of bread and our fish and get ready and watch Jesus make a miracle happen. Can, you, do you understand that God allows us to be a part of the dream, part of the vision of the house, part of the goal, part of the burden, right? And the reason he does is because we appreciate what we work for, right? You, you're telling your kids that. You don't appreciate that because you don't work for it, right? We do. We appreciate what we work for. And I tell you, though, when we labor in the house of God, when we allow God to use our resources, you know who gets blessed? Our children get blessed. Our families get blessed. Our marriages get blessed. This church, I think from the minute I walked in, has always been, has always had some kind of building project going on, right? We're, we're, a, we're a building church. We're constantly doing something. We're constantly on the, on the move. And I've been privileged enough to be a part of many of the projects, and it always fascinates me because, number one, we have an incredible deadline that I never understand how we're able to meet the deadlines, right? But you know what happens is that people begin to give. People who are talented in, 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 in their craft, they begin to say, hey, I'm available. I can hammer a nail. I can, you know, pull some uh, cable. And they begin to give of their, re- of their time and their talents. You know what else happens? People who can cook, they begin to give. Hey, I can cook you guys a meal while you're working. You know, we had some spaghetti and some enchiladas in the last project that we had, right? Someone blessed us, right? And you know what else happens is people give of their resources. They say, well, maybe I can't uh, cook and maybe I can't, uh, you know, um, bend pipe, but you know what? I can give. And where each and every one of us is involved in what God is doing. Matthew 6, 31 and 33 So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. You know what we're talking about here? Our priorities. And our decisions, they reveal our priorities. Our spending decisions, the way we manage our resources, reveals our priorities. I like what Larry Burkett said. He's a Christian author, writes a lot about stewardship. He says, how we use our money is the clearest outside indicator of what we really believe. If someone is a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the evidence will be found in that person's everyday life, including his or her use of money. Plain as day is what he's saying right there. See, our spending habits reveal to us where our priorities are, right? It's called the money trail, right? You follow the money, and it eventually leads back to, you know, the guilty person, right? I mean, we could say that our priority is spending time with God, but our screen time might tell us that our priority is spending time on social media, right? Right? We can say that our priority is paying down debt and getting out of the red, but our checkbook says that our priority is Amazon, going out to eat, right? It's basically ourselves, right? I mean, you know that, um, what was that movie, Show Me the Money, right? I'm trying to encourage us here and let us know that uh, our priority should be kingdom-minded. God blesses us. He does. 
you know, and it's not wrong to be blessed. You know, God wants to bless his children. But you know what he wants is for you and I to be able to say, I acknowledge this blessing. I know who it's from. And as freely you've given it to me, God, I have no problem giving it right back to you. We can't outgive God. Think about the book of Exodus 36. Uh, Moses happened to be a building project going on, and he told to the children of Israel, um, began to take up a pledge, right? I'm kind of breaking down the story quickly. And what happened was uh, all the artisans and all the craftsmen, they were working, and the people of God began to just give. And they gave so much that they came to a point where uh, they had more resource than they knew what to do with. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Man, what a problem to have. Where the workers came to Moses and they said, tell the people to stop giving because we have more than enough. Right? We have more than enough of what's going on. More than, what we, more than enough than what we need. We cannot outgive God. The Bible says he's a debtor to no man. When um, we first went outside, not the drive-thru, but in the back with the, with the canopies, um, I remember seeing on the screens the cost of what it was going to cost to move services outside. And it just so happened to be at a time where we were, going, we were refinancing uh, our, our home loan. And so when you refinance, you usually get some money. And I looked at my wife and I said, you know, the timing is perfect, right? How many know God? There's no coincidence with God, right? I said, you know what? This is, wasn't our money anyways, and we, we pledged that. We, we gave it to... Um, the outside services. Also happened to be at a time when I was using the kiosk and I went and paid my tithe. And I get paid once a month, so I got to pay my tithe and then I have to pretty much pay all my bills at the beginning of the month. And when I went to tithe, paid my tithe, and when I went to pay my bills, I was like, wait a minute, this is a real shallow account here. What's going on? Right? And I looked and oh wow, I tithed twice. Right? What happened was when I tied, the screen buffered, was buffering, right? And I figured, maybe it didn't go through. Let me try it again, right? So I tied twice. And I tell my wife, I says, Espy, you know what? We tied twice. She said, what? I said, yeah. She goes, so what are you going to do? Ah. I said, well, what can I do? It belongs to God already. It's his. What are you gonna, I'm not going to ask for it back, right? I said, that money is God's, man. I already gave it, I already gave it to God. Can I tell you that? Less than a month later, a check literally came in the mail for double, not just the two ties, but also the outdoor pledge. Not because I'm special, but because God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his promises. And God was showing, the test was when my wife said, what are you going to do? That was the test. Stewardship requires action. It's not about the money. 
It's about the heart. It's not about the dollar amount, man. It's about trusting God and then taking action. You know, we, we I think sometimes when God challenges us to give, when God challenges us to maybe get involved in a pledge or get involved in supporting uh, or blessing a ministry, I think sometimes we want to act like God's bookkeeper. Like, God, mm-mm. we can't take on that investment, God. We can't take on that responsibility, God. And that's not what God, I think, is asking of us. What he's asking of us is to take that step of faith and saying, God, you're challenging us. We'll go right at it, God. We'll go right at it. It's the willingness to let it go as I wind it down. Think about the old widow, the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, and he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain widow, a poor widow, putting in two mites. And he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Here is a woman that herself, she was in need, right? She was poor, and all she had was what she gave. She literally gave all that she had. But the faith of this widow to, to think that, you know what, God, I don't have much, but what I have, maybe you can use. And what, he, what did she do? She got the attention of Jesus. She got Jesus' attention. It wasn't the dollar amount that got God's attention. It was the heart, the condition of the heart. It was the willingness to say, God, can you use what I have? Can you use what I can give you, God? See, it's faith that keeps us focused on, our, on, on God and not on our circumstance. How many of you know it takes faith to give? It takes faith to release It takes faith to allow God to use us in whatever capacity. But if we don't exercise our faith, okay, you go to a gym, right? You see the people, you drive by the people at the gym and you see them working out. You see them what? Exercising, right? They're working out. And sometimes our faith needs to be exercised. (laughs) Sometimes we need to do those, right? You know what that is? Getting up out of your seat and pulling out your wallet. So I wind it down. I think about the widow of Zarephath. And the man of God came and he, and he tells her, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. It's found in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, 11 through 16. And she pretty much says that... We just have enough to eat and then die. She says, myself and my son, we may eat and die. She's basically saying to the man of God, I really don't have enough to give. We have enough basically for ourselves. We're going to eat this meal, and then that's it. We're, we're going to die. And in verse 13, he says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. Four, verse 14. He says for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on earth. 
And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. We could have the worship team come up. Here is the story of this widow, and she had a decision to make, right? She knew that her circumstance was dire. She was not unrealistic. She saw what was in her cupboard. She saw how much she had, and it was enough for her and her child, and that was it. But her faith was challenged. Her faith was challenged to step out, and the man of God said, release it. If you release it, you can see God and how he's going to bless what you, what you have. And she did that. And the Bible says that for many days she was able to eat. And her resources didn't run out. And oftentimes the enemy would try to strike fear into our lives and say, look it. Hide your gift. Hide your talent. Hide it for a rainy day. And God is saying, no, no, no. I gave this to you. And if you give it right back, I'll multiply it. If you give it right back, I'll bless it. If you give it right back, I'll increase it. And that isn't anything, whether it's in our finances or our gifts or our talents or our tools. There's nothing that we give to God that he won't give right back to us. When I became an electrician, I don't know how many years ago. In fact, when I went to school, I had already been coming to church for a while, and I uh, had gotten laid off from not one but two jobs, almost back to back, right? And all of a sudden, this window of opportunity opened up for me to go learn a trade. So I took a step of faith, and I says, all right. I couldn't even read a tape measure, right? And about maybe two months into my course there, I get a phone call. And they'd say, we need you to see us in the financial aid office. Your package came in. And I said, what package? Right? I said, well, you, you filled out, when you applied, you filled out a financial aid package. And I said, I don't, honestly don't even remember doing that. I just remember signing away, right? Just thinking, what am I getting myself into? The package came in. And I want to say 85 close 90% of what the school cost was taken care of through uh, scholarships and grants. I didn't have to pay that back. Small student loan that I was able to pay off once I started working a year after I graduated. I said, God, you're amazing, God. Because I didn't have any money to pay for that school. But God made a way. And so I said, God, this trade is yours. This trade is yours. Whatever you need with this trade, God. I give it to you. And you know what? To this day, God will say, remember what you said? I got a little project for you. And I still say, the trade is yours, God. The trade is yours, man. And, and I'm telling you what, almost 20-something years later, 20-plus years later, they call me supervisor. I sit with engineers and building designers, and, and they speak foreign languages. Like math is what they speak, right? And then they turn around and they look and they say, Manny, what do you think? That's the power of God, man. 
It's not because of me. It's not because of my intelligence. It's because God just taken something that I gave to him freely and said, I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to release it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have a little study Bible commentary, Christian life study Bible commentary, and I love what that commentary read for this particular scripture. It says, what I hoard, I lose, but what I give, I keep. We cannot take our earthly treasures with us, but we can send them on ahead by sharing with others and supporting kingdom work. If your riches are here on earth, then your heart will be bound to this world system. If your riches are in heaven, you will seek those things which are above and use the things of this world to glorify God. We don't take any of it with us. Naked we came in, naked we leave. The only thing we'll take with us is the impact that we made in other people's lives through our finances, through our riches, through our gifts, through our talents, through our testimonies. In church, each and every one of us here has something to offer. You have a testimony of what God has done in your life. You have a talent, you have a gift. And just like that commentary said, we can't allow the world's grip and the desires of the world to hold us back, right? What the Bible says, the world and its desires are passing away, but he or she that does the will of the Lord abides forever. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight in reverence to God.